It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio, and thank you for joining me as we, this morning as we roll into spring. And I, uh, I'm going to talk about something for the first part of the show this morning that is, we've talked about it before, and it's going to be talked about a lot in the coming years, because not only is there no easy answer, but there appears to be fairly strong differences of opinion uh, and the subject matter is, how do we recruit new individuals to the outdoors, both hunting and fishing? And can we recruit more people? And should we recruit more people? So if you read the material from the Fish and Wildlife Service and you read the material from states, Illinois being one of every state, and you read material from most conservation groups, they're all talking about the long-term decline in the number of people who hunt and to a lesser extent fish, and that we need to do something about it to reverse this decline and increase the number of people who are hunting, and again, to a lesser extent fishing, uh, in America. And they have a program called R3, which I've talked about before, and it's a program that stands to for R3 stands for Recruit, Retain, and Reactivate. If you ask most people who hunt, what do they know about R3? They'll say, I don't know what you're talking about. So the purpose of this show this morning is that, as I often try to do, is not to give the answer because it's not easy, but to have us think, are we on the right path? And is this something worth pursuing? And that's a rhetorical question because there is there are a lot of people who feel, no, we're not on the right path. That really what we need to do is understand why more people aren't engaged in hunting. And and also, the bigger picture, since hunting is always going to be a shrinking percentage of the American population, people who hunt because of the way America is growing, even if they flatlined the number of hunters at 12, 14, 15 million, we really don't know the exact number, but let's just say it's 15 million. Um, as America grows, it's going to become an increasingly small percentage of the population. And I, you've heard me speak before, you know, 1950, we had roughly 2 million people who bought a duck stamp who hunted ducks and geese. America was half the size it is today. We've got less than a million today doing the same thing. So the percentage is, is exactly half of what it was. Um, actually, it's much worse than that. We have, we have half the number of people hunting and a greatly expanded population base. So I would offer... And this program this morning is spawned by a discussion involving Meat Eater, 
uh, and Matt Ranella, who's the brother of Steve Ranella, who is certainly probably the number one personality today in the hunting world with his next Netflix program and, and the company Meat Eater. And Matt Ranella offers that we don't need more people hunting, that this is actually only an effort by the state and federal agencies to try to get more money. So I would offer that, and I, I shortened up what he said, but it sparked a, a big discussion among the NRA and Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership and all these groups that believe we need to have more people hunting. And I'm going to offer that it's very simple. If we have quality and we have opportunity, people will go hunting. Very, there's nothing more to it. Give people a quality experience and give them the opportunity and they're going to go. I think we only need to look at dove hunting to understand that. We in Illinois have been up and down and across the country we have been up and down as far as people dove hunting, but time and again we know if the dove hunting is good, people go. If it's not good, they don't. And that's true of private property and public areas. And I would further offer that what's happened in America over the last 50 years is we have a lot fewer places to go. And the quality of the experience is nowhere near what it should be. So it is true. There, I don't think there's a duck hunter in America that wants another person duck hunting next to them. And there is another deer hunter who wants to walk into the woods and find someone putting up a deer stand where they have been. Or a turkey hunter who's sitting gobbling up a turkey only to find out that there's another hunter in close proximity. We have squeezed the number of hunters that currently hunt today into an ever-shrinking habitat base. And we further have a mobility of hunters that will go where the hunting is good. So it is the reason duck hunters go to Canada is because duck hunting is good in Canada. And, and some of you listening might say, well, the number of people hunting in Canada has, has plummeted, and it has. It's plummeted because the Canadian laws restricting hunting are so restrictive that people can't get a firearm to go hunting. It's not that Canadians don't want to go hunting. Just, just talk to Canadian farm kids and things. I have. And it's all about how difficult it is to be able to go hunting. And in America, we have the exact same thing. So while we're going to spend tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars on R3, recruit, retain, and reactivate, we, we are really missing the fundamental problem. It's very hard to be able to go hunting. A first-time hunter has to go through hunter ed. they got to do all these things. In Illinois, you have to get a firearms identification card. In Massachusetts, if you want to go hunting and have a gun, you have to actually go down to the local police station, and you have to be interviewed by the, by the police chief, and, and they will decide whether or not you can have a gun in your own house. I am not kidding you. So we have put up an incredible number, number of hurdles for people to go hunting. And then on top of that, most hunting conditions, unless you are really paying a lot of money, are lousy. Further, we have something else that's happened, which nobody talks about, and I don't understand why, but I've been doing this for a long time. I've been in this industry for a long time. And people who've been around a lot longer than I will remind you that we used to be a small game hunting country. Doug, squirrel, 
rabbit, quail, pheasant were the mainstay. I don't think I know a squirrel hunter. Show me someone who's got a good set of beagles to chase rabbits. Quail, quail are down by, in some places, 90%. I think the quail harvest in Illinois over the past 50 years is off over 85%. The pheasant, pheasant hunting has virtually disappeared in most places. So the species that people hunted when they were in abundance were all small game. Today, we are more and more a big game hunting society, and big game cannot take the pressure of small game. If you're in the Western states in America today, the very last thing you need is more people trying to go deer or elk hunting or moose hunting or sheep hunting. You have to go through draws. Some of these are once in a lifetime. As the Western states, Idaho, Utah, Colorado, are, are all exploding in population, Montana, the game isn't exploding. There are just more people in those states who now want to go hunting and talk about fishing. If we want to have more fishermen, that's great. Where are they going to fish in the American West? Our rivers are overrun. So this is not a well-thought-out proposition. The manufacturers obviously want to sell more clothing, more equipment, more guns, more waders, more boots, more hats, more gloves, more everything. And so for a manufacturer and a retailer in the outdoor space to grow, the industry has to grow. So they're fully on board with having more people go hunting. The states look at their coffers and say, we need more people hunting for license fees. But hunters and fishermen say, we don't need more people hunting unless we have a lot better habitat and unless we have high quality places to go. And there's an opportunity. In the state of Illinois, our duck, our, our duck hunting and public hunting lands are pathetic, among the worst in the country. Yet Illinois wants to recruit a lot more people to go hunting. Where? I simply asked a rhetorical question, where? And I could go through 50 states in America, one by one, and ask the same question. If you were successful in recruiting more people to go hunting, what would they hunt and where would they hunt? What and where, and what kind of quality experience would they have? And there is, I have yet to encounter an individual who's a champion of R3 who can answer that question. And the answer they give you is, well, if we had more money, we would have better habitat and they'd have a better experience. I'm sorry, I'm not buying that. And I don't think any of you listening are buying that. Our states have a lot of money. Pittman-Robertson funds have flown to the tune of millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Now we've got $900 million a year for Land and Water Conservation Fund. We've got federal duck stamps. We've had money, but the money has not made it to the ground to create high-quality experiences. And in the state of Illinois, you know, Displains, Chain of Lakes, they're not even the experiences they were 20 years ago. So I think we have a fundamental flaw in that we have a program which has not thought about the outcome. And I was talking recently to a friend of mine in Arkansas. Arkansas, as you may recall, I mentioned this, has for your out-of-state hunter in certain areas of Arkansas now, they make it so you cannot hunt on consecutive days because they don't want any more out-of-state hunters. They have too many hunters as it is, so they're making it hard for people to hunt. That is hardly what the people who 
what more people behind want to hear. But there's no communication and there's really no long range thought to this. I am not buying, and I don't think any of you are buying, if we had a lot more hunters, that the money they would generate would create a lot better habitat. I don't think it's happened. In Illinois, we certainly are seeing just the opposite. Our public areas are, 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 are have fallen apart. You know, the Illinois River, down the Depew, all the way down the state, broken levees, no pumps. You go out west, the public lands are overrun with people trying to deer hunt. Northern Wisconsin now, the deer population is collapsing because of bears and wolves. We're supposed to have more hunters. I could go on for, for days on this. What I would offer before I go to break is that we need a serious dialogue that involves people who actually hunt and fish, not bureaucrats who have a vested interest in more people hunting and fishing, but the public, you and me, who are out there experiencing this. Why are we not part of this discussion? We are not, and we have not been asked. So when Meat Eater goes out and says, you know, we ought to have this dialogue, they get absolutely berated by the industry. Who has a vested interest in more hunters? I think we have a vested interest in more opportunity that is high quality, and if we have more opportunities high quality, guess what? We'll have more hunters so long as we take down all these restrictions that we have through hunter ed and everything for people to be able to go hunt. We're going to talk more about it. There's a tremendous amount of money coming. I hope you at least agree that we need to have this discussion, and I'm sure many of you listening who actively hunt and fish are saying, yeah, it's not about the numbers. It's about the quality. When I come back from the break, I want to talk a little bit about trapping beavers in Glenview. You never thought that would make front page news. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. And first, a message from our longtime sponsor, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. In the field, hunters need to be alert, sense the environment around them and know exactly where they are, communicate seamlessly with their dogs. And when it comes to pickup trucks, you want the same qualities. The all-new Chevy Silverado comes with an available 4G Wi-Fi hotspot for seamless communication. It's designed to handle the toughest loads with advanced trailering technology, tough on the road and off. And the all-new design gives you more cargo space than the competition. Chevy Silverado is the most dependable, longest-lasting, full-size pickup on the road. Plus, there's never been a better time to see your local Chevy dealer about the Big Fix lease. It's an amazing lease deal that can lower your monthly payments and give you more Chevy, all for less money. That's a treasure hunt. So head to your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and see why Chevy is the number one best-selling brand in Chicagoland, now eight years running. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio, and I went a little bit long on that first segment, but as you can tell, I'm I'm keenly interested in this subject. I think it's the seminal moment for the future of hunting and, and fishing in America, how we do this. So if you, how we recruit more people and where are we going to put them? So moving on, though, interesting. If you missed it, there's a controversy over trapping beavers in Glenview. Who would have thought 30 years ago that we would have a discussion 
about whether we should be trapping beavers in Illinois. A hundred years ago, we thought they were extinct. Eighty years ago, I don't think there was anyone alive. Fifty years ago, I don't think anyone even knew what a beaver was in Illinois. And even as recently as 25 years ago, they were very rare. Now they are everywhere. And residents of Glenview apparently are upset that beavers would be lethally trapped and and removed, removed because they're dead. Well, beavers are like the Army Corps of Engineers. They can block up anything. And they have. Uh, ask any farmer anywhere in America who has moving water about the impacts of beavers. They are horrendous. For many years, uh, I had a nuisance beaver permit, removal permit, because beavers were causing such damage that they were breaking old water control structures, flooding all kinds of farmland, and, and taking down trees that were falling across power lines. In Glenview, the residents of Glenview think that there should just be lots of beavers. Well, I would simply offer that if we don't manage beavers, much as we need to manage all wildlife, we'll rue the day when we let the beavers take over. I don't know if you paddle down the Des Plaines River any time in the last 10 years, uh, unless it's at full flood. Basically, the Des Plaines River is just a series, the upper Des Plaines, is a series of beaver dams. And you got portage after portage after portage. And that's actually, to a large extent, the way it was in its natural state. There were a lot of beaver dams. But beavers were trapped out and, and across much of the country 150 years ago. They've come back now into a world that is radically changed. And it's kind of interesting how the beavers even recovered, but they did. I saw my first beaver about 25 years ago on a farm I had in northern Illinois on a marsh. I was paddling my canoe through the, through the marsh, and I saw this thing swim by me underwater. I'm like, God, it was like a 30-pound beaver. I was so excited we had a beaver. Two years later, I wasn't so excited. Beavers have to be managed. They are no different. In fact, they're probably worse because of their breeding capacity. But I know when the Farm Bureau comes down on this, and I know where virtually every landowner comes down on this, if we don't trap beavers and have nuisance permits, they're going to destroy. They're going to destroy millions of dollars with the timber and, and, and farmland and wetlands, um, everything in balance. So the village of Glenview, I know you want to trap beavers. The residents of Glenview, you need to let them, and you need to let wildlife professionals do what is nat what needs to be done to manage wildlife. We've moved into their area. We exterminated them. They've now come back. The world is quite a bit different. But if you want to have roadways flooded out, culverts plugged up, and lots of infrastructure damage, let the beavers go uncontrolled. I would vote for let's manage them. Thanks so much for listening. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.